So yeah, my name is Rebecca Hickey and I am an actor, writer and filmmaker. I uh, started off, I went to London and I trained in Arts Ed and then uh, RADA as well for screen acting. And I performed on the West End and I did the London thing and really enjoyed it, but film was really where I saw myself. So I moved into that realm as quickly as I possibly could, um, which also uh, brought me back to, to Dublin which is great because that's where I'm from and my family's from. So it was nice to, to get to come back here and, and work in the industry here. I um, always wrote, but I started to write a lot more consistently once the pandemic hit. And I won a few competitions and things. I really enjoyed it. And so I started writing scripts and that's how I kind of came into filmmaking wasn't initially as an actor it was as a writer and and making that uh, that work and then I wanted to make the work so I was <laughs> like well we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna put on a few more hats and when I when I was in London um, I actually produced a, a West End play so I was like well it's gonna be very different it's a very different medium but I have you know been at the helm of something like that before so so let's give it a go and I uh, I wrote um hot chocolate and the performance review quite close together and decided that they would be the first things that I I made so hot chocolate is about two friends who've known each other for a very long time and they uh, one of them starts to change without a prior notice of seven to ten business days and the other one doesn't <laughs> take it very well um, and, and that's just about uh, change and experiencing change and how we deal with that. And there's also uh, for the audience, there's an internal monologue going on at the same time. So it's that, you know, that challenge of how we feel, but what we say in the moment. Um, and then the performance review is a short short. It's a one minute short. And it's, great. It is... <laughs> it's uh, very difficult to do in one minute. Um, <laughs> Thank you. I like the challenge. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Well um, so, so that's. Uh, just about um, uh, an unexpected HR meeting. I'll <laughs> leave it at that. <laughs> yes. Um, and Aisha, could you tell me where you're at with your career and um, a little bit about your amazing film, uh, The End of the World Tour? Uh, so, yeah. So, hi, my name is Aisha. So, I've recently just graduated from the National Film School and IDT. Um, I did the BA in film and TV production and I and I, my specialization was in direction and then I did a minor in production then. Um, so yeah, so I sort of think um, my career at the moment, like I, I work in a lot of music videos, like I love writing, I love directing, I'm working with Motherland at the moment, which has been really great. Yeah, yeah so then End of the World Tour, that was sort of, um, I think like I grew up like very heavy, like within like the fandom world and like very heavy like writing fan fiction and stuff like that like super into one direction so I sort of felt like end of the world tour became like a weird manifestation of that and then like, <laughs> like the and um, end of the world tour sort of follows this relationship between like a mother and daughter and like this obsession that the daughter has with boy band and the mother's relationship with God because I feel like those things parallel each other because like my mom got super into God recently and I was like well I like that reminds me when I got super into One Direction when I was 14 so yeah. Yeah no it was fantastic film it was a lovely watch and um, thank you very much um, Aisha and uh, yeah I, I just I really really resonated with me the mother of a teenage daughter at that whole stage where you just you have to 
trust them and step back and let them grow, you know, and it's a tough one. It's a tough one for a parent. And I think you captured it really well. You know, it was lovely. Um, so, uh, yeah, every single one of the films, I mean, I think Mo has curated them really well. They're all about transitions and adaptions and changes and how discomforting that can be for the person and how necessary it is. And, um, yeah, so maybe um, what I'm going to do maybe is kind of do it in sort of... Uh, it, it's, it sort of deals with the first quarter of life, I feel, you know, that from teenagehood to parenthood, you know, first parenthood, that kind of, that's, if you strung all of your films together, you'd have a feature. So maybe you should talk to each other. Um, <laughs> so um, I'm going to come back to you, Rebecca, and I, I, I'm going to, without giving too much away, we're going to have to try and sort of be kind of cagey about this a little bit. Um, <laughs> how was the process of, making that now I mean it looked simple but nothing ever is simple is it it never really is straightforward so I don't know how we're going to talk about this without actually <laughs> talking about it so it's all right <laughs> I, I I had a little boy and he's in the film um so yeah you, thank you you're trying to um you know uh, it, it was um uh, uh an idea that uh my husband actually like threw out there as like a joke and I was like oh hang on <laughs> I like I'm gonna I'm gonna write that down I'm gonna write it down and we're gonna do that so you know my 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 son was only a, a few months old so you're trying to have the camera on him for as absolutely little a time as possible um in and it was just before he he uh was having his dinner so like it was just a <laughs> snapshot so I literally had the whole thing set up and plonked him down and just kind of kept the fingers crossed and hoped for the best and <laughs> he did great <laughs> but it was very much a case of like everything that I shot because I, I am for those who haven't seen it or don't know I act in it as well myself so it was a case of everything that I did was shot already it was all finished and done and then it was just about one day for I'd say not even 15 minutes the camera I turned it on him and I was like right that's it whatever it is it is and it is that'll do it, and it was it's yeah. fantastic well done Rebecca and Thank um you. I just have to ask you because you know it's funny what jumps out at you when you're watching something and mm -hmm. um I was kind of going and I loved the idea that it wasn't you you were doing the second hand kind of review you had received information from somebody else so it was yes. sort of on behalf of uh yes your yes your other half kind of thing yeah <laughs> and, it, and your demeanor was fantastic you played it right down the line it was brilliant um I think if I went into you for an interview I'd be intimidated and um, definitely <laughs> you were fantastically corporate um and I have come from that world and all the formal language and all of the you know acronyms yeah. that are used and you just like can you just say it yeah I know English, just, you just know. speak like yeah, like a human yeah. person please exactly <laughs> yeah so it was really well done I, I roared laughing at the end um and um can I ask you about the two cups on the table I don't know why I focused on it because if I did that it would be a mistake it's just because I forgot to take the two cups off the table because I'm a bit untidy but was there an intention behind that just yeah there was it, it was that idea of um you know, I wanted to have a little nod towards, you know, this woman has this incredible, like, stillness and corporate speak. And she's like, it, her whole thing is like, HR, where we, we know how to speak, we know how to uh, make everybody feel heard and safe, but actually, she's a bit scatty. And, you know, <laughs> that's, that's her cup of tea, or that's her cup of coffee from the morning. 
and she's moved on to her cup of tea but she didn't actually even though she was going to the kitchen she didn't bring the first one with her and you know she has quite a few files in front of her and I just wanted it in that snapshot for people to be like but is she organized or is she not like what's happening there should she be in charge I'm not really sure I know it was fantastic and I think it'll resonate with a lot of people who are at home during COVID because I know you wrote it during COVID and you're trying to work and homeschool and all the other things and you know it's that you know you know the famous thing of having your pajamas on underneath the, the table <laughs> on the zoom meeting so it really kind of spoke to all of those kind of parts of ourselves that we're trying to be when we're working and when we're you know parenting and everything so it was it was fantastic and also have you here could you tell me a little bit about karma that's going to of be course i can yes yes uh, myself and Rachel Walsh co-wrote that we've known each other a long time we're both actors we're writers we're filmmakers and we got to a, a, a point where we were both creating work and uh, separately and it was doing really well but we'd always you know have hive mind we'd come together and be like you read this thing and I'm going to read that thing and we're going to give notes and compare and even though both of us have written in the past quite dramatic pieces of work um through our conversations, we we realize, you know, our humor is quite similar and uh, there are elements of us that are, are, are similar in, you know, for me, whether I'm directing or whether I'm writing, I, uh, I write, I almost, I, I describe it as musically, like I hear the rhythm of the conversation, I hear mm-hmm. the beats and, you know, the words that are in the script are there for a reason. There aren't more than are necessary. It's very you know kind of and I I quite like playing with people cutting in over each other like they do Mm -hmm. in real life and uh, Rachel gets that so we decided that we would uh, have a go at coming together and writing something together and that's that's what uh, that's what karma is it's it's about um, two polar opposite uh, sisters who managed to accidentally uh, annoy the most powerful <laughs> person in the town who happens to be uh, head of the PTA so it's, oh. it's how they deal with that <laughs> oh that's brilliant thank you so much Rebecca that's a nice little segue to good fortune which deals with uh, you know that whole area of you know and um, the supernatural hopefully uh, intervening in reality and helping us out so uh, thanks very much Rebecca and um, and Hot Chocolate is the other film that you have in the festival as well, um, which indeed, is about yeah. relationships, is it? Uh, you were uh, mentioned there. Yeah, you'd kind uh, of give uh, us a bit. Yes, yes, uh, about uh, the, the, the two um, friends who there's an internal monologue going on that the audience here, but there's also the external conversation that's having about change and how uh, jarring that can be for, for somebody else when they're not pre-warned. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Rebecca. Thanks a million. Um, Alexandra, uh, good fortune. Uh, it's a two-hander. Very hard to do. Very hard to keep people interested yeah. in just a conversation across the table. But you've done a brilliant job. Uh, two fantastic performances from your leads. Uh, I have to ask, is is the other lady a relation of yours by any chance? Yes. Yes. Thank you so much for the compliment. And yes, <laughs> it's my older sister. So She's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. yeah she's a really great actor a little funny story about that quickly I couldn't I was really struggling to cast that role and I had had her read both parts for me just like as a to get a gauge of what it would sound like she did both so well and I was like you're too young to play the fortune teller but you're too old to play the girl so I can't really cast you but I couldn't find anyone I was like you did it so perfectly I have to put you in it like it was the only Good. performance I had in my head 
I, I do remember yeah. thinking when she was putting the, the, the photo across the table of obviously what's supposed to be her son. I did think, gosh, yeah. I'd love to know what face cream she's using. But she she yes. put, but it was believable. It was until I didn't question it. You know, it was it was very yeah. Very well done. And the complete straightness of what was the name of the other actress again? Um, she was amazing. Um, her, name, her name's Kiana Pile. Oh, she's fantastic. Um, and yeah. it just deals with, as you say, you know, we had Rebecca dealing with that transition into parenthood where you've had freedom and then all of a sudden you have this tiny little boss and they can't <laughs> tell you what they want, but you still have to try and figure it out. And then to that awful sort of, I, I think I found personally my 20s, the worst stage of my life because I was so, my, the sands kept shifting. Um, and you have this poor girl whose mother has sent her to the fortune teller to just get her out of the house and get her to make a few decisions. And she goes to this complete, um, what I loved about it was how uh, completely, uh, how much she owned how much of a charlatan she was she was just you yeah. know making it up as she went along with yes. the fortune teller um and uh the first heartbreak and trying to find you know this career that everybody is kind of uh, I suppose brainwashed into thinking that you're supposed to have it figured out by your mid-20s and, and set yourself up so um again you know for me watching it was such a luscious experience even the the coloring of the of everything the final scene was beautifully framed the production design was fantastic did you have to have a snail handler I'm gonna ask (laughs) what was going on with the snails honestly we did you did I thought you might (laughs) but no it wasn't planned um so that scene actually was supposed to be a completely different shot but we were like it's too hard to do it's going to be too hard to fake we'd probably need a vfx situation Mm. so we were like what can we do to showcase her it was supposed to be a tandem but a couple on tandem bike riding past the window and we're like okay we just need a different way to show that she's you know, lonely and gone through a breakup. And we're like, I, I actually don't remember who came up with it. I think our editor might have. And he was like, snails. And because it was <laughs> going to be two birds in a cage. We're like, oh, everyone's seen that. And it was also in a garden shed. So because it's set in a shed, we're like perfect snails. <laughs> and we had a friend, my friend Geordie was on set wrangling snails in the garden. We shot in. I was like, guys, we need snails now. <laughs> so they were looking after them all day. Had an intimacy coordinator for that, that shot. <laughs> oh, it was yeah, so funny. It was fun. And I mean, and I mean, all those lovely details. I mean, I was trying to, I was looking at the whiskey bottle and I was kind of going, I don't want to assume there isn't a whiskey called Cougar, but is that deliberate? You know, I was trying to get my head around that one. Yeah. So the, well, the production design, my amazing friend, um, Gabriel Butler did all of it. And I had such a good time collaborating with her on that. And, I was had a very distinct color palette. I was like, I want red and purple, and we just, I yeah, and we just made all these little jokes within the set design of like it's the garden shed mishmashed with the fortune teller, and <laughs> like I had a gardening glove with like a palm reading lines drawn on, and like you probably you can't even see half of it. I think in the actual edit, but I I, yeah. I, I think I, I think I was I have intentions because I said you know the way you have to you know in limited time you've got to watch something. I said I'm actually in a couple of your films, not just in your film, Alex, or I'm actually going to slow it down and go back and have a look for those little details because they're amazing and um 
yeah and i mean the, the the creative choice was it a you distorted uh the fortune teller's face so was it a fisheye lens you used and what was the reasoning behind that yeah so we i wanted it just to be super warped out and just to create the choice behind that was just to create a sense of unease and that you're in a different alternate world almost even though she wasn't really but (laughs) yeah it's like she stepped into this universe that's like not normal and yeah it's just to create an uncomfortable feeling but I feel like it also adds to the comedic element as well because some people see that shot and they're like oh my god that's hilarious like this looks so funny as well um but yeah we just used super it wasn't actually a fisheye but I think I forgot what lens millimeters oh, yeah, no, I know. yeah my yeah. dear people hate me for that but <laughs> yeah um so we did the 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 one that was closest to a fisheye but not exactly yeah and it was beautiful and the the end shot then where she she just decides that's it I have agency I'm going off to live my life this is ridiculous and she takes she she wanders in with the the fruit basket looking looking like something out of a painting which I think was probably deliberate but it was kind of ridiculous and hilarious at the same time um yeah like like did it did it take you long to to shoot the film like was it how long was that that shoot it was only two days, which is insane. Right. I I really wish we had more time. It was super, some of it was very rushed. Um, but I think obviously we got it all. But yeah, we squeezed all in two days. So that sunset shot was on the last day. We only had like an hour and there were clouds blocking the sunset on the horizon. <laughs> I was like, no, but I think it still looks great. And it probably Gorgeous. adds to the yeah. atmosphere a bit of it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The, because it's like the she's mm. the sunrise and she's off. You know, she like the the light is back in her life and she's yeah. You know, exactly. Yeah, it was. I just wanted it to be open and expansive after being in this like claustrophobic, you know, world that we created with the camera angles and shots and everything and clutter and just be out in the open and she's free of it all and knows what she wants to do with her life essentially. But yeah. Yeah, it's lovely. It's really well done. And I loved the little dedication then at the end, which is I kind of kind of went back and had a read of it. And that was a really nice touch, I have to say. Yeah. No, thank you. Yeah. Very meaningful to me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was lovely. Well done. Lovely film, Alex. And then um, so you. I'm trying to get my uh, so Cree is the next because she you deal with uh, um, that sort of initial stage when somebody just comes out of college and you're in your early 20s and at the same thing trying to figure out so I loved the shot where you were lying on the bed and you were doing the list after yeah. <laughs> you know in, would I would have go act in a haunted house that kind of and it was really lovely yeah. and um, just the just the, the detail and the kind of um, the sense of kind of the 80s and 90s rom-com movies were in there it was yeah. absolutely lovely and the final scene when I could be just projecting uh it felt like a Harry Met Sally kind of it was a little bit of that going on with the twinkly lights and the dancing but it does belong to uh Bio's roommate Pat you know that yeah, scene that final funny. reaction yeah. so I I I I, I I'll say that what it is, is it's a, an 80s inspired rom-com with a brilliant soundtrack, which I have to talk to you about. And it has a bit of a bite. So yes. um, <laughs> are you are you somebody who loves 80s, 90s films in particular? Or 100%. I'm an yeah. absolute pop culture junkie. 
Um, yeah. I love all things sci-fi, fantasy, a huge Star Wars fan. My favorite TV show is Buffy the Vampire Slayer and it always will be. <laughs> Everything like um, The Lost Boys, uh, all yeah. 80s movies, Back to the Future, everything. Just um, So it's something that I wanted to incorporate. I suppose it's it's called Kiss Kiss Fang Fang, so it's not that much of a spoiler if I say she yeah. she's got a bit of a supernatural edge to her. Um, so... I don't say it specifically in the film, but my I, my concept was that she was actually turned at that time. So she's trying to like hold on to her like any shred of humanity that she can because she's all about wanting to be normal, normal, normal. Yeah. Um. So I wanted to incorporate that as a bit of sort of backstory without backstory. Um, yes. So yeah, that she's and it, it's lovely. It's that I think you've hit it. It really uh, really speaks to that thing that every human being suffers from. But I think every, particularly when you're younger, everybody feels like they're an alien from outer space and what's normal and, you know, trying to fit in and trying to hide the things that you think other people won't accept about you, you know, um, and it, it's done really well. And I, I again, I I absolutely love the production design and those lovely um lovely kind of nuances again was that a real pet shop you got the dog biscuits from yeah Can I just actually, ask because we were wondering about I was talking to my production designer Michal and um we were wondering how are we going to say a pet shop without naming a pet obviously for branding issues and things like yeah, that yeah. so I was going yeah. to maybe photoshop something because I do like uh, using photoshop but he managed to say it to someone in a pet shop who was like oh yeah I'll 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 have my pet shop in if you want so um <laughs> we got a bag from Shauna's pet shop shout out <laughs> oh no that was fantastic and just to talk to you a little bit about um, much like Rebecca you did you acted in it, you wrote it, you directed it, and you edited it. So you yeah. had complete editorial and authorship over it. But yeah. that's very difficult. How did you, how did that process work? And would you do it again? To be honest, <clears throat> I really would do it again. I okay. I think I had such a clear vision that I really only kind of wanted to execute it myself because I knew exactly what I wanted. I knew exactly mm. the vibe that I wanted and I thought it might be difficult wearing two different hats, but also I think that casting is such a huge part of yeah. comedy in particular. Absolutely. So I knew that Joanne yeah. and Isaac wouldn't need that much in terms of direction. Like, you know, they'd only really need this a slight push or a little note. You know, mm-hmm. um, I wouldn't be forming their performance because they're already so good as they are. So that left me a little bit more... Um, space in my head to to focus on other things on the filmmaking element and then also my incredible dp hannah bloom hannah bloom she did a lovely job yeah yeah if anyone's want if anyone wants to work with an incredibly hard-working super talented cinematographer camera operator hannah bloom is the person to go to hannah bloom studio you can look her up (laughs) brilliant um uh, no she did the lighting was lovely and the framing yeah. and everything it was just so well done and yeah. um I loved how you you know the way they talk about people walking in and out of doors and getting in and out of cars and I feel the same way about characters brushing their teeth in films but you brought it in fantastically and I'm sure you did that deliberately and she filmed that really well as well mm-hmm. yeah um, so we only had like a, a couple of weeks of pre-production and it was a part-time course as well so people were working so we really wow. didn't have a lot of time to bring it together so um, we we had like a couple of Zoom calls and did shots and shot lists and things like that. But she really pulled it off remarkably. Um, 
yeah, it was it was it was interesting to be able to act and direct at the same time. It wasn't actually that difficult because like that, I had such a clear vision yeah. um, that I was able to come in and out of it fairly easily. And we just everyone, the crew, the cast, we all just like pulled together and made it happen. Um, so I'm really proud of everyone. Yeah, no, it was a fantastic uh, feat. And to think that this is your kind of graduation film as well. I mean, yeah. it's really impressive, Pree. Well done and Thank fantastic. You so much. Yeah. Um, and you're a very good editor as well. You know, it was beautifully edited. So Thanks well done on much. that. I appreciate that. Um, yes. In a way, that was actually the hardest thing. Yeah. You know, the acting and directing on the day was, it was a challenge. And I'm not saying there weren't mm. any hiccups or anything, but the edit was really difficult to because you're you're constantly thinking of timing because it's comedy as well so you don't want to leave things too long but you want a little bit of awkwardness and it's it's yeah. thinking about that and rewatching and rewatching and then um the soundtrack as well making sure that that hit the right notes and stopped at the right places and everything like that um but i really it's i really enjoy editing it's 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 such a create it's a perfect marriage between technical and creative yes. at the same yeah. time and you're it the film forms in the edit so it's very enjoyable <laughs> yeah no it was fantastic well done Cree. thank you very much for that and um, I'm going to come back to you and I have a, a chat with everybody about casting because I agree with you it's such an important mm-hmm. part of the process especially with comedy and um, Aisha can you please tell me um I, I loved your film I, I like I said it kind of really I felt as um, a mum to a teenager, it really kind of spoke to that, us having to grow together kind of thing. And I loved the parallel stories and it was beautifully cast. Again, Antoinette is a friend of mine, so I was delighted to see her on screen and she's brilliant. Um, And again, I have to talk to you. One of the things that blew me away about your, your film was the the production values, the production design. It was like Christopher Nolan did a comedy. It was just amazing. It was, uh, can you talk to me a little bit about that? So like, um, sort of like, I'm known in college, I was known in college to be like very heavy on the production design side of mm-hmm. things. Everyone's always like, oh, it's a pity you couldn't like minor in production design. Because I was like, that was very much like costume production and like art department is very much, I, I love all of that. And I worked with a really brilliant production designer, Katie Brett as well. And like, I was sort of like, oh, like, because like, I think my favorite thing about film is that like, it's not real life. So like, I was like, we don't need to make anything realistic. We just need to make it work for the world that we're in, you know? Yeah. You know, like, it's sort of that thing of like, I know I, I like sort of when you have certain things happen in certain places and like you're like oh why is that there and I'm like because it looks cool and sometimes that's okay <laughs> I was like sometimes it's enough of a justification you know because I even know for like I think one of like our big production design elements that I was like so delighted about like I'd spoken about like just getting a I'm not even a big car person but I specifically wanted like an E30 for the end and like, then I was saying to everyone, I was like, oh, I'm looking for any 30. And then one of my friends was like, I have a friend who has a pink one. And I was like, oh, wow. I was, I had to ask, I was like, I need to know where she got that car because it was <laughs> extraordinary. It's beautiful. So gorgeous. It's called the Pink Panther. So it was very, very cool. <laughs> so yeah, so running vintage 30 and like, like it was wrapped pink and stuff. And it just really like suited the aesthetic of the film and stuff like that. And then I think like my favorite scenes to sort of do were like more of like the fantasy elements when we're sort of in our head and like we're sort of in this Garden of Eden type of place and like build like building this garden to look very fake and curated. But, 
like for me like I, I didn't want things to feel too rooted in reality just as long as the emotion was rooted in reality I was just like everything else is sort of like a free-for-all for me anyways yeah no it was fantastic it was so heightened it was lovely and um, the costume design was fantastic as well I was I, I kind of noticed that when Antoinette's character was outside the church and, and Perfect Princess comes along with her boyfriend who's going to go to Trinity, they they had they had the yellow and uh, red, um, and it's sort of they both were in like Antoinette's costume was yellow and red, and then the two characters were yellow and red, and then the pink motif then for Kimmy's character was lovely as well, um, and even pink television in her room, and all of the I mean. I mean, the amount of work that went into it was it's just extraordinary, right down to the posters on the walls of the, you know, uh, is it Clay is the main character sort of, oh, cool. sort of with pre-Afro-like <laughs> curls and the diaphanous shirts. He was brilliant as well. He was completely straight. And um, how long, like, I mean, you must have, there must have been a huge amount of pre-production planning that went on there. And was it fun? I must yeah. have been it definitely it was a lot of fun because um I was working because I worked because it was sort of like my graduate project as well so sort of it's it handy to have the year to sort of really like get stuck into it and like sort of be with this project as well like I know um my like it, it went through a lot of rewrites was the main thing it was sort of what made that like process a bit difficult but like then when I sort of brought on the, my co-writer Lucille Carlin like she sort of just helped me bring it all together and sort of like give it this really great structure as well and like she sort of understood where I was coming from because I like because I think like the most important part for me was sort of like making sure that like yes like it's ridiculous to be in this stage of life but like it's also like a very valid way of like being and thinking and like you know we can all like get like caught up in our own obsessions and things and like it's just a part of like growing up and things but yeah I think like pre-production was like it was it was like difficult because like also because um my producer he's he's like he's great his name is Jack Leach but I remember when we were casting for Cole like I just I don't think he got it I don't think he got it at the start I was like no I need him to be I need him to be beautiful before he's before he's a good actor like or else the girls won't believe it like I was like I was like he needs to be pretty I was like he needs to be pretty so <laughs> He was he was fantastic and it was just he looked like a, a painting. It was sort of it was just it was really it was beautifully cast. Well done. And he was great because he was dead straight. You know, yeah. he, he didn't ham it up at all, which he could do in with a part like that very easily. Um, so it was fantastic direction as well on your part for your actors and a very enthusiastic bunch of extras, Aisha. Um, I have to say, well done. <laughs> I think I'm. I like I love because I do like a lot of music videos and stuff so sort of like I've sort of worked with extras in that sense of like crowd work before as well mm. like it was a lot of like playing one direction like in the freezing cold <laughs> out. I'd sort of be like because I, I love costumes so I was, I was literally like personally dressing like a lot of the extras with like my costume designer Ben and like most of them are like in my clothes as well so it felt very strange <laughs> I, yeah, so I think like it was a lot of like playing One Direction on set and like I was definitely screaming with them. So I wouldn't feel like, <laughs> I'd be like, oh my God, he's coming. And then we're all like screaming and losing our minds. And like, then you yell cut and everyone's like, what have you just said? <laughs> like, they're like, they're like, you had a screaming for a man. I said, oh, and I was like, sorry guys, it's awkward. <laughs> it's magic. But like, loads of fun like and I think like it brought like because all of them were sort of were all, all the extras were all sort of a similar age it sort of like brought them back to that time as well in mm. their life like random culture was a massive part 
a lot of like young girls lives or whatever and like sort of like it was a massive like outlet for creativity that I hope will get appreciated because I know like a lot of a lot of like creative people that I know like started out like writing fan fictions or like editing like like One Direction edits and stuff like that so it's really weird to see how that like develops into like careers. It's amazing, isn't it? And I, I, it's it's amazing to think that that is your final year project as well. I mean, the future is bright. I said, well done. Are you still a One Direction fan? Oh yes, like this whole film <laughs> thing is just an elaborate way for me to get to get to me. Uh, yeah, like, <laughs> this is the side thing. The One Direction thing is the main thing. Like. <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant well done uh, I hope you're really really proud of yourself it's a lovely lovely film well done and I have a question actually that's just come in from Madeline and it is uh, really enjoy the chat and would love to see you all your films the question is how confident are you that the comedy will land when you're making a comedic film oh that's a really good question compared to live comedy where you have an audience who will laugh or not it's a really good question and um, it's a tough one isn't it yeah because especially when you're looking at something over and over again do the beats land okay so I will I'll start with you Aisha because you're straight in front of me how do you handle that problem or solve that issue I think like for me like I only sort of I I think like for me like even when I started writing more like comedic things it was never like I know for me anyways it was never that intentional it was sort of just writing about experience that I that I had Mm because I remember my first year of college I think I made a, a film about having a crush on a boy and like I remember everyone was like laughing and I was like oh no this wouldn't be meant to be funny but I just had to like <laughs> take I was like oh, that's fine so like even with like end of the world where there's like some moments when I've seen it screened live where people would be laughing and I was like that wasn't even meant to be funny but I was like I'll take <laughs> win. a win is a win Um, so I think like you'll never really know until you're sort of with the audience because there may be things that you find funnier that like people might not resonate with as much but I think like definitely sort of getting people to like look over like the edit or look over a cut and sort of like literally rather than watching the cut just watching their reaction and sort of gauging that or seeing sort of who who is this meant to be funny for as well because I know like some of the jokes in the in the film would be like hilarious to my mom and that's okay with me and maybe look at it but I'm like that's my target audience for that joke and that's okay no, that's brilliant that's a great answer thank you very yeah. much Aisha and then um Cree how would you go about tackling that particular problem again really similar I think gauging having some people to watch early edits is definitely very helpful because I know when I was editing Kiss Kiss Fang Fang I was holding it sometimes for too long like I ended up shaving about two minutes off the original runtime just so that it was a little bit snappier um but you really don't know until you are with an audience I mean I wrote jokes and ping like people will get different things um from it like you might have one person laughing at something that you thought was pretty witty and then laughing at something that you didn't even write as a joke like you said <laughs> so yeah I think another thing that really helps mm-hmm. is timing if you can get the timing right in the edit mm-hmm. um then you're already within the realm of potentially getting laughter from people but it's it's a weird one because you're manufacturing a laughter mm. if that kind of makes sense you're you're trying to create recreate what was created on set in the edit <laughs> and hoping that it comes through but again I'll come back to casting if you cast funny people that inherently have that ability to be funny in person then you're 80% of the way there I think 
Yeah, no, I agree with you. And I think as, and I'm sure Aisha, you've seen it as well, the edit is so important, having those fresh eyeballs on it, maybe somebody else looking at it um, and all those skills, I suppose you d- you develop a bit of an instinct around it and knowing your audience, as you say, it's really, you know, it's that stuff. Um, Rebecca, what's what's your take on it? For me, I mean, I touched on it a little bit earlier, but <laughs> it is all to do with the the rhythm of the piece. And um, I uh, trained as a professional dancer and singer. So musically, there, there's so much of when I'm writing that it is about that that pacing and um I, I like to say that um I I think of it as uh not my tempo from the the film Whiplash but without the violence that's kind <laughs> of that's how I kind of do it and you know reading it out loud you know even when, because I I have written my work as well when I'm uh, reading it out loud it's like muscle memory as a dancer or when you're you're singing musically you feel it in your body when it's right and Mm -hmm. if 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 it's not right when you're one person by yourself reading it out loud chances are it's not going to be right when you're on set with everybody you know if it if it works with the bare minimum the chances are it's going to work when you have all the bells and whistles that you're you're hoping to have with you on the day for the actual scene. Um, and then when it comes to the edit, that gets refined even more. Mm. Um, and I think there's a great, um, uh, you know, sense of uh, uh, power in the edit to to really, um, uh, to use Cree's word, to make it snappy, to, to make it really... Uh, bounce along you know and uh, for me when hot chocolate first uh, screened what surprised me was I I very much built in a ramp up into uh, throughout the film but I didn't expect people to catch on as early as they did so it was amazing to have those giggles start and I was like oh (laughs) you you're all in it way faster than I planned so, so, so that was wonderful and and unexpected but again I was like you know if if nobody got anything until the end then I would I'd be okay with that so the fact that they were with the film from so early and that laughter just built and built it was like uh, it was amazing but yeah basically for me it's if it works with the absolute bare bones I think you can have real confidence going into your your set day and going into your edit day and that's a brilliant, yeah, it's a brilliant point, Rebecca, because the development process, the reading it out with other voices and sitting back and listening to it. And um, it's like, you know, somebody makes it their own, but you can also see what works and what doesn't work and what lags a bit and what needs to, you know, what kind of needs to be kind of tightened up. And, you know, that's a really good point about reading it out loud, even yourself or having somebody else read it for you. Yeah, for um, sure. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, no, it's a great point. And Alex, uh, what's your take on it? Yeah, so I would also say from the script point, I think it needs to be funny. So I, the the way this my story came about was, it's not my story firstly, my friend <laughs> came to me and said she saw a fortune teller and had the weirdest experience and I was like, this is hilarious, you need to write it into a script. And so from there, that's how it all started and so I was laughing at just the initial story and then every time I read the script I still found it funny and then even in the edit even though you've seen it 7,000 times like I was still laughing at certain points you're not going to be laughing at it completely the whole time but 
I think I found it funny from, yeah, the bare bones part, like just from script. And I think without that, I don't, yeah, that's probably the best way to know that it's going to be funny is that the story just is and it makes you laugh and it makes other people laugh. And also had um, people come in and watch edits when it was at a rough cut stage and had some feedback. Another important thing to me was... um having letting the actors improv a bit and mm. having yeah casting funny people my sister is a comedian as well as an actress so that was really easy for me um and yeah just throwing in like yeah playing around with personal experiences and stories from me my sister I, my writer and yeah and it all just kind of comes together but it is super nerve-wracking as well I have to say because when it first screened, I was like, what if no one laughs? That means laughs. I failed, <laughs> essentially. But yeah, luckily, it's, it's been fine. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think you've touched on it there, Alex. You have to be brave to make a film, but you have to be even more brave to make comedy because it's such a subjective medium and some people will not find it funny and there's nothing you can do about it, you know. Um, it's just, you know, uh, yeah. people's sensibilities and their sense of humour. And just, again, just to kind of harken back to what all of you had mentioned and Cree and yourself in particular have touched on the casting process. Um, I was kind of fascinated when I was watching it because we have two actor directors in the room. And um, when you're sitting down to write your film and the voices are in your head and you have to, you know, as writers, we all have this voice in our head and if we don't talk back to it, it will drive us crazy. Um, did you think of yourselves initially for those parts or would you have entertained somebody else for them? I know, Cree, you probably spoke to that already, that you were quite clear that you, you kind of wanted to do this. But in just in that initial stage when you're writing, do you do you kind of immediately think, yeah, I'd like to play that part, or does that come later? Um, and maybe Cree, if you wouldn't mind answering that question. I think so. For me, what really happened is Kiss Kiss Fang Fang was initially a proof of concept for a show that I'm writing. So I've actually sat with these characters for a very, very long time, years actually. <laughs> okay. Um, so they're very formed in my head. And when I'm writing I I just think of them as separate characters but I think the reason I chose myself was really because um a we didn't have a lot of um pre-production <laughs> time so we were kind of running low on that and I knew that I could do it and b again I knew the beats as you're saying like the rhythm and and things like that because I had written it and I was like okay I'm an actor I'm reasonably talented at comedy I'd like to think I can probably do it <laughs> and as well as the writer I somewhat am Bio in a way because she's definitely the character that's closest to me so it kind of made sense to me just from a, a logistics point of view for me to to play her and then for the other two again those characters had been very clearly formed and then I was in class with Joanne. She was in my year in Bow Street. And I just, I thought she has exact pat energy. I have to cast <laughs> her. I have to beg her. <laughs> if she's possible, fantastic. Her. She's, she's, she's absolutely fantastic. Really yeah. Future, and yeah, yeah. She's going to be so successful. She's so talented. And then Isaac was the year before me from Bow Street. I was just having a look through the scenes. And he had a scene where he was talking about Spider-Man. It was a little bit nerdy, but a little bit quirky as well. And I was like, that's him. That I'm, I'm literally looking at Charlie. And I had already written these characters, which is amazing. So it's, it was, um, I was very lucky to have been around people that just happened to fit it so perfectly. So it's a bit of luck and it's a bit of keeping an eye out 
on people that you know or people that you see that could actually fit the part yeah no, that's anyways. great that's a great answer and um Aisha you you cast two great actors who worked really well together in your film how did that process work um so with like Antoinette and Sinead like I actually so obviously because it was a very like specific like black story as well there's like a lot of cultural elements like I'm such a nosy person so I'd like been sort of like keeping track of like if you're a black actor in Ireland like I know who you are sort of thing like I'm just like <laughs> just sort of like keeping an eye out for like who's doing what and like I reached out to Sinead on Instagram actually and see if she'd come in for like a test shoot that we were doing so sort of see so that was sort of like an opportunity basically throwing her into the deep end a bit to like audition in that sense mm-hmm. because it was sort of like a little test shoot and like it was just testing out some of the script and like sort of how we'd shoot it and like blocking it was also a chance for her to sort of like see like how she'd bear with the crew and stuff as well and like how she sort of bounce off different things too and like I think with Sinead it was really easy and then like I know even like I rewrote parts of the script to like suit her more as well and like I know for Antoinette so Antoinette would be from Botswana not Nigeria so like it was really fun because um I know we had my mom on set and she'd have my mom talk and then she'd like imitate her accent and I was always like yeah so it's, it's, it's they're both like I think like especially like the the scene where they sort of have like their big argument like they both just sort of bounced off each other like so well and like just the energy between the two and like I think like they both just had a very great like chemistry as well and I know even for casting even some of the other parts like with Sinead and Robin who plays her best friend Roisin as well like Sinead and Robin would have been friends already but like I didn't know that before like casting Robin Robin was just someone who we had in mind so obviously they had like a very nice repertoire Natural, of- yeah they were so believable as best friends they were fantastic yeah I think sort of like with that with that process it was literally just for we didn't really do like we sort of just brought people in and sort of just like brought them into a scene and like filmed things or like I know for Antoinette we had her do a monologue I know for um for Max who plays Cole actually we had him come in and like <laughs> I felt so bad my poor PA is just like she's she's in first year college so obviously like it's very like nerve-wracking and like she was reading across from him it's like really a romantic scene and she's just gone bright red <laughs> like, bright red no perfect I was like it's like perfect I was like oh stunning because I remember everyone was just like like in awe watching his like little audition tape and I was like guys please (laughs) (laughs) he was fantastic yeah he was he was excellent yeah so like I sort of think like sort of just like seeing how like people were reacting to them as well when they came in because I think like with Mm -hmm. college opportunities I got a chance to see how like the the crew was even reacting to them and their performances as well which was really good and like you don't get to play it that way so like that was quite handy and like yeah so that's a brilliant that's brilliant to kind of tip Aisha about kind of maybe having the crew there if you can if you're in that position just Mm. to see how how they react as well to those kind of the interactions and the you know because casting is hard it's a skill in itself definitely trying to get it right and and Alex you had a few problems with your casting so I know you'd mentioned that because it is it is a hard process and I mean how many people did you audition for those parts in the end yeah we it was mostly the um Joanna the fortune teller who I struggled with with Liza who was placed the, the girl um who, who is the girl sorry she that was actually quite simple because I um worked on an ad and a feature film and 
saw her and was like you're great you're also representative of my writer's culture and background and I really wanted to show that because it's her story but then with my sister with sister's character um Joanna who's the fortune teller it was yeah we did online um self-tapes rather than Mm -hmm. in-person auditions and yeah I'm trying to think we probably got maybe 10 to 15 because it was an unpaid position as well it's um working with like no budget essentially wasn't expecting that much from many actors to be honest but yeah just went through a lot and I was like none of these are hitting and I've just heard the role being read in a way that I loved and that's really funny and I just yeah like I said couldn't get the performance out of my head and knew she'd nail it so yeah and I think that's a lovely uh, sort of story because sometimes um, I I know myself that I can get kind of fixated on a particular type of person or a particular voice for a part. And sometimes you just have to kind of pull back a little bit and see what somebody else can bring at that freshness and that newness to it. And in your case, it was your sister and it was the best decision mm. because she's, she's excellent. In it. So, you know, that's a, it's a, a good lesson to learn, I suppose, along the way, isn't it? Yeah, and I think as well to not try and force something. Like I said, the age thing was an issue for me. But I think in the end that just wasn't that important. I think what's more important is the actual performance and the comedy element and mm. and also being able to do the accent that I wanted, which is just our Yaya's accent, my grandma's accent. So it's just things little really little things like that and even on set I was like oh for the chamomile tea line I was like say it how Yaya would say it like to pull because we just have like a different understanding of you know on a personal level and we can bring out comedic elements in each other so yeah it's a definitely yeah, no. best choice that's brilliant because I think it's really I mean you've all kind of talked about kind of getting to know people and sort of um, having that relationship and Rebecca you were talking about um, yourself and Rachel um, it is really important to kind of have that um, safe relaxed playful environment especially for everything but particularly for comedy because you are asking people to kind of make a little bit of a fool of themselves you know um, and you know that's you know you know to get rid of the self-consciousness I think it's important to be in a, in a, a support environment so as directors because you're all directors how do you create that environment on set for your your cast and your crew and maybe Alex because you're right in front of me I'm just going to throw you under the bus and ask you first (laughs) yeah so I firstly was working all with a group of my friends essentially the Perth film community is very small and we kind of all know each other and so that was one way to create a comfortable environment. Um, also shooting also at my yaya's house to mention her again. We so we're in a just really comfortable environment for well, I guess my sister, so she could hang out with her between takes and stuff on set. And also just allowing them to improv, play around, had some rehearsals before as well to make sure they were comfortable with each other and knew how it was all going to go. And uh, yeah, I think the rehearsal process is really important to uh, allow them to be more comfortable as well, because then you're, they're not feeling like shocked or taken aback by anything on set. And you can kind of feel things out with where they want to take the performance. And then once you're shooting, you kind of know what you want. They know what you want roughly. And yeah, yeah then you have more time to kind of play around and, 
just enjoy the process you know that's a great answer and sometimes yeah. the challenge with short film is having the time to rehearse really isn't it it's sort of um, yeah. you know I suppose you just have to make the time don't you kind of have to even if you have to do it on zoom it's important just to give people that chance yeah. to, to sort of get to know each um, other yeah we do do it on zoom too <laughs> okay good glad to hear it and Rebecca, can I come to you with that question? Because I know you've done, you've directed stage work as well, which is a bit different. You know, yeah, it is different. I mean, respects. with um, with hot chocolate, I I mean, um, uh, that was filmed seven weeks after I had my son, so that that was um, basically the the other actor is actually Rachel Walsh, who who I wrote Karma with. I asked her to be in in that because I knew that uh, between the pair of us, that would be a very um, trusted space, a very safe space. And we already had um, worked together on previous things. So I knew that there would be uh, an element of immediate um, connection and being comfortable and being able to have that on on set with with uh, we had um, uh, not a lot of time to do it and so everybody was kind of pulling in the same direction and obviously knew um, that uh, I'd, I'd only had my child seven weeks before so it was creating that space half the work was already done because we knew each other um, and I think that's important when it comes to casting from scratch, whether it be for stage or for screen, I think um, you kind of hit on it yourself there. I, you go into it with this is the dream. This is the dream cast, what, what I have in my mind. But then sometimes somebody walks in and does something and you're like, oh, no, that's the dream cast. That's <laughs> yeah. the dream cast. <laughs> And I think it's trusting that instinct of, of you as a director, knowing that like if you get that gut feeling, it's happening for a reason. And if you're being moved by it, whether it's a tape or it's somebody in a room, you have to listen to that and honor that because it's nine times out of 10, it's going to make the work better it's going to lift it it's going to move it in maybe a slightly different direction than you thought it was going to go but only in an advantageous way yeah that's you yeah, know that's a fantastic answer thank you Rebecca and and Cree have you any insight into how you would or advice for those listening to us or your experience thus far yeah um I would say that there's a lot of power in pre-production so mm. um I would have had video calls with Isaac and Joanne showing them just even the layout of the place that they're going to be acting in because it can be quite I know as an actor myself if you don't know people or if you're unfamiliar or even if you're at the start of your career and you you don't really you're not so used to it it can be a very intimidating place if it's not set up in the right way so I kind of think of directing not as a as a kind of you know I'm in charge and you gotta follow what I'm doing it's more of a collaboration and I think for acting in particular that's so important because people are being vulnerable and like you said earlier they're they're making fools of themselves obviously like that's their job and they're doing it very well but that can be quite a hard thing to do so I think it's important that the the vibe if you will on set comes from the top down and that you set a, a tone of like we're getting through this together we're in the same boat this is a collaboration you're doing great and yeah. reassuring the actors and 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 setting up a kind of a family vibe if that if that makes sense and yeah. as well 
I so I didn't know Isaac before. I already knew Joanne, so I know she I knew she'd be great. We were already friends, so it was a, it was a little bit easier there. But I didn't know Isaac, so I brought him in and we did a like a test scene and got to know each other then. And then I knew it was fine. And so by the time we got to actually filming, everyone was totally comfortable with each other. And yeah, it was it was it went pretty smoothly actually. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was fantastic. You'd see the rapport the between everybody and you're comfortable with each other. It was lovely. Well done, Cree. And Aisha, how do you, how do you take what's your approach to this? Especially and you do music videos now as well. So you kind of you've people coming together really quickly and then, you know, for one but day and whatever. I think like it's always like sort of like echoing what Cree says. Like I feel like definitely is the director and like even your producer as well. Like you sort of like set the energy on set. And I think like for me, like, I'll always sort of, like, make sure if I'm getting too stressed or something, I'll, I'll take myself aside or, like, I'll go aside with my DP or go aside whoever I need to go aside with. And I wouldn't want to be that, like, loud, like, boisterous, like, I don't know, over, like, I don't know, sort of, like, bull of a director, sort of that sort of thing. Because I feel like, um, I think particularly for, like, a lot of women, like, there's this pressure that, like, you know, we need to like you know assert ourselves on set in like this really masculine way when I'm like oh I don't think that's necessary mm. I think you can things with like a lot of vulnerability and like kindness and sort of like you know I totally agree with you yeah absolutely yeah, agree yeah yeah. Yeah. Such a good point. yeah yeah so like I for me like it was sort of like and I and that just sort of came from like having the opportunity to like shadow their like female directors or see other female directors work and like sort of see how they sort of handle that and not feel like too intimidated by anything because I always set the tone of like even with my crew and like that I that I'm never going to shout at anybody like I just expect you to listen when I speak and I don't mean that like in a disrespectful way it's sort of like that's I'm the director like just listen when I speak and like I shouldn't have to shout at anyone absolutely yeah yeah no I couldn't agree more yeah it's uh... and like sort of like working with cast then I think just like respecting what they do as well um sort of respecting that like regardless of the role like they're still like putting themselves out there especially if you're working on like a low budget thing like especially mm. be then because like they're not probably not even getting like a full proper day's like rate or something like that and I feel like sometimes like some directors can sort of go into it and like not really value what an actor has to do or value what an actor can pull as well so I think for me, it's sort of just like having like that mutual respect for your actors and like hopefully that trickles down to your whole crew as well. Like there's no weird sense of like, you know, because I'm the director, like I'm better than Drud or like you Absolutely, need to yeah. Yeah. way because I think that's when you create like a weird vibe on set and that's when things get very like... And then I know also because like end of the world horror mate like deals with like some very like sort of like cultural elements as well like just to have everyone be respectful and to like make sure everyone was able to say like all the names correctly and stuff like that just so like wouldn't run into things just like acknowledging certain things maybe different for different cultures and different people and that as well and just like yeah just like respecting people's boundaries and things like that and like being very I don't know I think just being respectful and just being like good vibes like I I don't think it's hard to be a Nice no, I, I, no, and I agree. I, I, I should thank you very much. That's a fantastic um answer. And unfortunately, we are run out of time, and I'm very disappointed because I'd love to chat to you all for longer. Um, and um, I just want to say to anybody listening, um, 
If you haven't got a ticket for the Dublin uh, International Comedy Film Festival, why not? What's wrong with you? Go and get one. Um, and um, so if you wouldn't mind going and buying one now, thank you very much. I don't mean to be an Irish mammy about it, but I am going to be kind of dictatorial. Um, and also our, the WIF, the Women of Film and Television Short Film Showcase is on the 30th of November. So I know, Alex, it's going to be difficult for you to get a ticket because, you know, it's a, <laughs> it's a, it's a time zone. It's and distance issue but um <laughs> if anybody else is listening who's closer to home and nearer to dublin please make sure you grab yourself a ticket because a fantastic lineup of films just like the fantastic lineup of films in the dublin international comedy film festival and um i just want to say a massive thank you to the four fabulous filmmakers i have in front of me for uh who i'd say anybody who gets to work with you it will be a privilege and um, thank you very much for your brilliant answers today and uh, it was lovely chatting with you um, you too thank you so much thanks very much thanks a million take care bye-bye if you would like to support the work we do become a member at wft.ie or you can buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash wft ireland